1: Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 turkey vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com.
0: The Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community, from legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to the modern day
1: hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations.
0: All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey stick around it's going to be a great show all right guys welcome back we're here with another episode of limb hanger just two of us here tonight uh adam and myself joey uh parker is doing family night from what i hear he's hanging out with his wife and kids he's been on the road a lot they've been on the road (laughs) so i guess they're finally coming together tonight uh matt's out tonight so just the last two Last two amigos here, and uh, I'm still the only one that hadn't been turkey hunting yet. So there's still that sad day.
1: The Tennessee team here,
0: Team Tennessee, I guess. I'm the last of the Mohicans. I have heard some goblin turkeys in the last week, though. So I got that going for me. I ain't totally skunked. Uh, I think things this weekend will get you really heated up. Oh, it's supposed to be good, too. You know, it's been hot the last couple days. And I went out listening. Today's Wednesday. I went out listening Monday and Tuesday morning and I didn't hear a thing. I think it was just warm, it was overcast, some stuff, you know, we had a couple little fronts moving in, I think, so the conditions just weren't right for goblin. Uh, But let's see, when was it? Saturday, I heard a lot of goblin. I forget the temperature, it was a little cool, but it was clear, man, it was lighting it up.
1: And this up. week, the weekend forecast looks a lot of the same, kind of like it did Saturday. So mm-hmm. I think Saturday and Sunday, both should be banger days. Now they do have some rain in the forecast on Saturday morning. I think they changed that, which I don't know if it's going to be Saturday morning or what time Saturday, but I think there's about a 30%
0: chance now. Yeah. That's a percentage where they don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. It could be could or couldn't happen. It could be could Wait till lunch. Could be that afternoon. They just know it might rain somewhere, possibly that day somewhere. I
1: yeah, think that's pretty about,
0: low. That, about that amounts to. but yeah, exciting things on the horizon, uh, We've had some exciting things behind us. Parker's laid a couple birds down. Matt's laid a couple birds down. Uh, you went on a trip uh, and got a bird. Just yep. one? Did you just get one on that trip?
1: I did. I got my first okay. Rio on that trip. I yep. ended up calling up a bird for another buddy, and yep. he ended up slinging, slinging at one at a chip shot and missed. So <laughs> that, that stunk for him. But I was also, in the back of my mind, I was like, hmm. I could have been bird number two (laughs) because I am the guy that says, you know, it's it's all about me. I'm the narcissist turkey hunter. (laughs) Hey, I'll say this, man. I thought about you during that hunt because that was, uh, you know, I've taken my kids, called up, you know, turkeys for my oldest. He's missed a few, killed one. Um, And every time I've loved that. Like, that's just been like an experience of a lifetime. Usually when I'm hunting with other guys, like I said, I just, I like to pull the trigger. I, something about it. (laughs) But this uh, this guy, he's never turkey hunted before. He's never hunted in his life. Like, I mean, he wow. shot guns, never hunted. Uh, and so for me, like getting to know him a little bit better on this trip, you know, we weren't that close or whatever, but getting to know him through that and then watching him progress as like, hey, I'm totally new to this, to having not only one gobbler coming in, but we had gobblers on two both sides coming in. And getting to see kind of his reaction to that and then shooting, I could tell he went from being someone that probably didn't care that much about turkey hunting to, all right, we're going to get this done. So (laughs) that was fun to watch that transition. I really had a good time doing
0: that. That is awesome. And, man, those Rios will spoil you. And (laughs) the fact that that was his first turkey and he had, how many did you say he had come in? Two at the same time,
1: but on different directions. Like literally, like they were, they were both running at the same time and they were running down two roads and we're like in the middle of like cactus and brush.
0: They were converging on y'all. That's what they were doing.
1: The the one that ended up popping out is not the one that we expected. We thought he was still hanging back because we could see him and we couldn't see the other one. He came around on a different side and man, he's just gobbling, go, go, just coming down that road. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, he's approaching and coming. And then all of a sudden the one that we thought was way off, boom, gobbles hard. And I'm like he's on top of us. And he's like, yep. And I look over my shoulder. He's like, I said, shoot, man, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun.
0: And I can't wait to get back after him. If all, if everything falls into place, I'll be in Oklahoma, uh, into April that last week for a handful of days. So I'm hoping to get, get back after him. I've only hunted Rio's at one time. And it was in, it was in Oklahoma in a different area that I'll be at, but oh, they were they're so much fun. And I, the more, That I remember those hunts and the more I hear about your hunts and you know Parker's Rio hunt from Texas and I watch other Rio hunts I I miss them so much I love hunting Miriam's just for the fact you know they like to gobble a lot too and the scenery is gorgeous but more and more I love the way a Rio acts because they've come just storming in and I had that one in Oklahoma quick story uh when we were out there in 2020 I had one if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I never would have believed it. If somebody told me that it happened, that bird pitched off that bluff and flew like a hundred yards in my direction. I never would have believed it in a hundred years that that would happened. Like if somebody was telling me that, if yeah. like if you were telling me that story, you know, there'd be something in the back of my head like, ah, oh, you know, maybe he's telling a telling a good hunt. Stretching. Tale. Yeah, but let me tell you, I swear, swear on my children, that thing pitched off a rock bluff and flew Ooh. towards me. Got and he like gobbled before he pitched off, he gobbled when he hit the ground. He just, I mean, he just kept it. And now I've I've just missed it even more and more over the last year or so. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, what we're going to talk about tonight, you know, kind of going back to your uh, your Rio story, that was an outfitted hunt. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, why you should or maybe shouldn't go on an outfitter where you might should go on an outfitted hunt uh questions you should ask or questions you should ask and uh all kinds of other stuff so i don't know what do we need to start with like do we need to start with the scenario of when you should decide to go on an outfitted hunt
1: let's start there like different species and states
0: yeah and i think a couple of the popular ones that I think of when I think of um more of us more of a necessity to go on an outfitted hunt Osceolas come to mind because there's yep. only one place to do it uh the Goulds turkey down in Mexico um and then probably you know Miriam's Rios and I think Easterns maybe to me they're kind of at the bottom of the list yeah. Unless I don't know, I'm trying to think of a situation where I would go on an outfitted eastern hunt. Maybe if I think maybe if it was just like bachelor party or yeah, some kind of some group of guys or some group of folks that just wanted to go hang out, low key, high success or high probable success. Um, I got
1: you uh, one. I got you a reason I won't go. Okay, go. I was thinking about this other day. I was like, if I wanted to go, uh, I, I was thinking of. Hunting with someone to learn from specifically, and there is an outfitter, uh, Bent Creek Lodge. Lodge, I think it's what it is, in Alabama. And I'm, Now that I just said that, I can't, I forgot the guy's name that guides there. It's not Eddie Salter. Um, it's one of those big name turkey hunters, and
0: he guides there. I think I know who you're talking about. Walker, and is it Bob, Bob Walker?
1: I think it's Bob Walker.
0: If that name sounds really familiar, and that that may be right.
1: But either way, that that lodge is known to have like just top of the line elite gods. And I was thinking, man, if I just wanted to go and tag along with somebody like a, you wouldn't normally get to hunt with it's like a Dave Owens, right? Like a, that yeah. caliber of a Turkey hunter just to learn from, but I'm willing to pay and that'll pay dividends the rest of my life. And maybe generations to come, if I can produce Turkey hunters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I would, I would be willing to make that sacrifice and pay that, right. Pay that price. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can see that. Man. I can see that. Um, because and especially if you were if you weren't familiar with that subspecies. Yep. Like when I think of uh if I was gonna go on a guided hunt for osceolas, I think Doc Weddle does guided hunts for osceolas or he does something with an outfitter for guided hunts for osceolas. And I think they do some of that on public land. Hmm. Now I would might be inclined to do something like that. Yeah. You know, a public land guided osceola hunt where you are going to have to be a sponge to absorb all that information from somebody, especially if it was from somebody like doc who sent it for what'd we say in the last couple of podcasts, decades upon decades with multiple us super slams. And he's not slowing down much from what I, from what I see every, you know, every year he still, he pops up in the springtime and he's got a pile of turkeys across that feed. So yeah, I would be inclined to, uh, go on a guided osceola hunt on public land that would it, be that would be my thing
1: i bet there's some listeners out there uh i mean I, looking at me and like the things that kind of hit the fear factor like a big old cotton mouse or alligators i think about that now i've hunted florida swamps and the nastiest stuff on public land but i also went on an outfitted hunt and hunted the same kind of crap but I would suggest that if someone's like, okay, it's hard to go find an Osceola on public land because I know it's going to be a challenge, both from the habitat and just like uh, probably pressure. If I wanted to to find an outfitter that's hunting like clean orange groves, cattle pastures, and it's like, I don't have to get my feet too wet. You know what? Sometimes maybe just go ahead and schedule that sucker. I don't think there's anything wrong Mm -hmm. with it. Cause I'll tell you, I went with that outfit, that outfitter in Florida last year and we went to the swamps and the nasties and man, we weren't hearing turkeys gobble. And there was another guy that was hunting a cattle pasture and dude he's done with his hunt like in a day in two days right he's done mm-hmm. and so i got a chance to go on that same cattle pasture area and i kill in 10 minutes i was like okay yeah. this is not the same experience but i got yeah. it done right uh, but if you're into that kind of thing i mean maybe on the, the florida osceola you just go for go for the outfitted hunt
0: there are, when i think of uh whether or not somebody needs to go on an outfitted hunt i think of like three factors And that's time experience and money oh yeah if you if you have the time to devote to like a full week or something like that where you can grind it out and try to find birds and get on birds then yeah you can probably do diy if you have the experience you can go diy uh and if you don't have much money i mean obviously uh i mean going diy is going to be cheaper supposedly i mean you could probably break it all down and okay, I'm, I'm buying fuel for truck, food, lodging, or just whatever. You yeah. might could make the argument that an outfitted hunt could be comparable, but I think generally speaking, we're pretty we're pretty confident in saying DIY is going to be cheaper. Now, if you yeah. don't have the experience and you don't have the time, where you have a handful of days to want to kill a turkey and try to learn as much as you can, then yeah, go outfitted. Uh, and if you got the money to do it, go outfitted um turkey i think turkey hunts aren't as expensive they're certainly not as expensive as big game outfitted hunts and i think the price or the fear of the price is just intimidating to people um because what are osceola hunts going now they're i see some of them come across like 2500 bucks for a osceola uh now i don't know any of the anything about the outfitters down there or what the facilities are and Success rates or anything like that, but I'll go ahead and tell you my ghouls hunt in Mexico was twenty seven fifty, and what was really good about that is I I went with Jay Scott. A lot of people know about Jay Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid half up front, which was my deposit, which was in twenty twenty one. So when I booked it, I paid half up front, so it was thirteen twenty five. My math is right. Yeah somewhere around in there oh, close Go a little ahead. over 1300 bucks so and then a year later when i went on the hunt i paid the other half so essentially i had i could have had two years to save up for this trip like imagine i don't know what like 12 you know, 13 25 divided into 12 what 100 bucks a month yeah 25 a little over 25 bucks a week that's very doable and then factor in, um, having to get out there. I know my situation is different. I travel a lot for work, get a lot of airline points. Didn't cost me anything to fly out there. Uh, rental car was cheap. Um, uh, my buddy and I split the rental car, but still, I mean, if you've got, you've got plenty of time to save up for one of those hunts and people talk about someday, someday I'm gonna do that. Somebody, someday I'm gonna do this. When you find someday on the calendar, you let me know because someday it's gonna creep up on you, and someday you ain't gonna be in good enough shape to go on any of these sites. <laughs> yeah, I feel like flip on that. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think the price is intimidating to people, but it shouldn't be, and that's how I see it. Let me ask Especially this about your uh,
1: your gold hunt, man. Like you said, you rented a car. Did you have to drive into Mexico, and did they meet you, or how did that work out?
0: So the way it worked with Jay. So we met, Jacob and I flew into Phoenix. Uh, We could have flew into Tucson, I think somewhere closer. But one, it was just easier to fly into Phoenix. Like we could get a nonstop into Phoenix. And uh, it was actually cheaper. So we flew into Phoenix and just made the drive down to Douglas, Arizona, which is a little border town. And it was sizable. I mean, there had plenty of hotels there and places to eat. It wasn't like a little, it was not sketch, you know, at least on our side of the fence, it wasn't sketch um and the guide uh, jay didn't guide us he had some guides that worked for him Uh, the guide met us there the night before we crossed the border and we stayed the night at the hotel and left our car there at the hotel for the duration of the hunt Uh, and it was fine and we just rode with the guide over into mexico and let me tell you it was I didn't show my passport to anybody until I crossed back into the United States. That's crazy. The, uh, the border guard for uh, Mexico, he basically kind of stuck his head in the window, had a quick look around and just said, all right, let's go. Now he might've known the guide because they're in and out of there, you know, all the time, um, uh, because, uh, they were hunting. I think we hunted within a couple hours of that town, but, um, so they're probably in and out of there all the time. But still, it was just funny because they just waved us on through. And then uh, Jay has some contacts down there. Like there was some guy that lived in that, uh, the town on the Mexico side. And Jay would keep all their guns and stuff stored there. So you would cross the border and you'd go directly into this little neighborhood to some random house and go in there and they'd have their guns and, uh, cause we, we would use their guns. Okay. You can take, you can take your own gun, but it's, there's so much paperwork. It's such a pain mm-hmm. that we just borrowed their guns and they don't shoot junk guns. I mean, I think we shot like a, a TriStar uh, 20 gauge yeah. with apex ammo, with a red dot. I mean, they were good guns. So, but yeah, that was just, uh, that was just funny. Just we were in the middle of the street in Mexico in front of this house, putting guns in the truck and getting uh, food and stuff for the handful of days that we were going to be hunting. And it was, uh, It was just weird just being down there and doing that. How concerned were you for your safety while you're down there? I wasn't now. I had been to Mexico several times for work Mm -hmm. and oddly enough, I had been to more sketchy places for work than I was on this hunt trip because, you know, I work in the concrete industry. They don't put concrete plants in the good parts of town in Mexico. It's rough. Like I've been, I've been in places where I I couldn't ride around with my window down because I could get robbed at a stop sign. Um, now, at this place, in this little town, it wasn't that way. Uh, it was pretty safe. And then we drove a little over an hour, a couple hours maybe, to the ranch that we were going to be hunting at. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I never felt unsafe. I never came into contact with any sketchy characters while I was down there.
1: So you're telling me on my Texas hunt, I felt more unsafe than on, me- on your Mexico hunt? <laughs>
0: That's what it sounded like, man. You had the action, like y'all. You had an episode of Cops from both sides of the fence. It sounds like,
1: <laughs> dude. It was so <laughs> crazy. Um, we, I guess, it was like the first. The, the so it's gonna be like the morning of the second hunt. That night, we had helicopters going over the place we we're staying all night. It's like, whoa, 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 just all night. We're like, what in the world's going on? So we wake up and the, the guides are telling us, yeah, you know, there's there's three different groups of drug smugglers on the ranch. That's the bad news. The good news is there's nowhere, they're nowhere near where you guys are hunting at, right? So we go on the, you know th- this hunt and they come to pick us up for breakfast. And dude, there's like border patrol everywhere i'm talking it's like a convoy it's like a military exercise out there there's two helicopters not only are they like on the ranch they're like all over like our lodge at this point like just sweeping back and forth and hovering hundreds of yards away our guides are getting ar-15s and they're driving around <laughs> looking and uh come to find out there was one of those groups there was three guys in camouflage and one of them had a rifle and they were on the trail camera close to the guys that we were hunting with like I mean there's only a creek that's running through there they were on the same creek so they think at some point those two those two groups the hunters and the drug smugglers had crossed paths so I mean obviously the drug smugglers aren't want to have an engagement with turkey hunters they're just trying to get their drugs to, from point a to point b like they're not trying to probably hurt anybody at this point in time no but who knows right uh still yeah, just a crazy crazy scenario and I'm like texting you guys video and <laughs> All that stuff. I don't yeah, know what that. we got into.
0: That's wild. My dad went bird hunting down in, I think it was Fear, Texas. And I'd I'd have to look at a map to see exactly where it was at, but I'm confident it was really close to the border, someplace down there. And he was saying when it got getting to be sunset or whatever, he would see people crossing the road, you know, under the trying to be under the cover of darkness, like be as inconspicuous as possible. Yeah. You know, they'd sneak back and forth across the road. So it's a uh, long story short. If you want some wild stories to tell afterwards, book a ghoul or, or a Rio trip somewhere <laughs> around the border, um, and I guess a Osceola trip too, because Lord only knows what's going to happen in Florida. The the uh, the, yeah. the Midwestern Rios and uh, and Miriam's probably have some more calm stories, but um.
1: We'll go yeah. back to your Mexico trip for just a second. You even had issues. Now, did you, ha- I don't think you personally had issues, but some of the, your group had issues with either, uh, was it the meat or what was it getting back across the border? So we could not bring the meat
0: back across okay. the border. That was, I guess, some kind of legal thing. Um, so we gave, when we dressed the birds, we gave the meat to the ranch hands and you know, the locals there. So they got eaten. Um and we caped our turkeys out, because um, all of us were going to mount our turkeys. Because when you go, if you go down there one time, you're going to mount that thing. Yeah. Um, so we all caped them out. And we had the fans and everything. It was all nice in a little package, uh, wrapped. It was in a gar- black garbage bag, taped up. And so when we got back through, uh, when we crossed the border, uh, U.S. Customs had to inspect everything sign off on paperwork, match up everybody, you know, the whole, the whole deal. The issue came when we, the issue came when we landed in Nashville. It was a, it was myself and Jacob, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Jenkins and his son. And uh, Chris and his son had two birds apiece. So they had four birds and Jacob and I had one apiece. So there were six birds or six bird capes and my 90 uh, quart cooler. And we were all taking them to uh, John Beard at Birds Only Taxidermy here in Dixon. And uh, I told Chris and his son, like, hey, you know, I'll just take your birds. It's 30 minutes from my house. No big deal. Um, Put some dry ice in the coolers, kept them getting cold. Um, and just declared, you know, just showed the, the uh, Southwest uh, bag check uh, person there when we come in. Um, no issues there. We taped up the cooler so the lid wouldn't come off. Or fly open or just whatever it was all in good shape well we get in nashville and i picked this cooler up uh we had to we had to go pick it up in oversized baggage like off on the side there and i pick this cooler up and i told jacob i said this cooler is light Ugh. and we open it up and there are two packages in there now i, I say chris and his son had two birds they had between the two birds apiece, I think they had one cape and fan. I think knocked feathers off a wand, uh, you know, tail fan got messed up. I forget, but they kind of Frankensteined two birds together, you know, from, from the four. But anyway, they were missing Jacob's bird or Jacob's package. Yeah, Jacob's package and Chris's son's package. Now, what was strange about that? Chris and I kept our birds, you know, they, they returned our birds. Apparently Chris and yeah. I's birds were sitting on top of that stack in that cooler. So they would have had to remove our birds to get to their birds. And they somehow did not put their birds back in the cooler. I, to this day, I don't know. Um, hmm. But anyway, I, to make a long story short, I traded a bunch of emails with Southwest, uh, you know, baggage, uh claims uh you know filed a claim uh filed a thing through tsa uh and i'll be honest you're kind of pissing up a rope trying to go through tsa because they uh, they didn't care they i i don't think i got one returned correspondence from them at all no phone call uh left i don't have any voicemails and i don't have any emails nothing southwest on the other on the other hand um they were accommodating up to a point and this lady's, I forget exactly what this lady said. I should have, I should have pulled up the email before it jumped on here, but the lady basically said that there wasn't really anything they could do. And she tried to pull that off. Well, I've flown for South, flown with Southwest for over a decade now. And I've had the highest status they can have for at least eight of those years. And I pulled that card, you know, I was that guy. Okay. And I let them know, I was like, you know, if, if you go back on my, if you go back in my flight history, I've taken you know X amount of flights every year for ten years, which would add up to X amount of thousands of dollars of business that we've given to you guys. Nothing you can do for me. Well, a couple of days after that, I get a phone call, and my caller ID says uh, Dallas, Texas. I was like, oh, I got, a, I think I got some customers around Dallas. Maybe it was one of them, and I, I answer it, and it is the head of baggage. I forget his exact title head dude over baggage at Southwest corporate. And he says, Is this Mr. Bell I said, yes. And he goes, I was uh, looking, I was sent your file and your claim. And I was looking at everything. And he says, uh, what really stood out to me was when I saw, I think I had like Turkey pelts or Turkey, something or another on there. And he said, well, I'm a hunter myself. And I know exactly what it would feel like if I went on some of my trips and didn't come back with anything. He says I can't fully refund, you know, the cost of the birds to your friends or whoever, uh, because I know, you know, that stuff is thousands of dollars. What I can do is I can issue you the maximum amount I uh, can issue for a claim, which was thirty eight hundred dollars. So Southwest sent me thirty eight hundred dollars, and I sent it to you know Jacob and Chris. But that was uh, that was the end of the Ghouls trip, and even though. You know, they lost their birds. They now have a little bit of extra money and uh, a desire and need to go back down there. <laughs> if uh,
1: if you had some advice or, you know, anything for someone you were talking to about going on a trip to Mexico after turkeys, what would you suggest, like questions to ask an outfit or any of that kind of stuff? So one thing that
0: I found out when I got down there, and I don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm talking bad, about Jay Scott and the outfit or anything else they my experience was absolutely excellent I had zero complaints what I didn't know before I got down there was that they use a lot of electronic calls Hmm. and I'm a hard-headed turkey hunter from the southeast and I want to call my own birds and I didn't ask about that before I went Hmm. now would it have deterred me from going no but it would just took me by surprise. And I feel like it's something that some people should know. It'd be something if you're really concerned about that, or if it's something you need to know before you go, that's something you may need to ask. Um uh everybody else, I mean, they didn't care. They they're not as deranged as I am, you know, <laughs> when it comes when it comes to turkeys, but man, ain't nobody calling a turkey for me. I don't got if I go hunting with Dave Owens one day, I'm gonna call my own turkey. Sorry, Dave. Uh but uh, but it was it was an issue. Uh, the guy did kind of get aggravated with me one morning because it was my turn up to bat, uh, and we had set up. It wasn't my turn yet. Uh, I think it was Jacob's turn, and then it was my turn. Well, we called in a bird for Jacob that morning um, with the electronic caller. Jacob killed his bird, and I think there were other birds gobbling. And the guy told me to get ready and get on the gun. I said, "I'm not shooting a bird over your little karaoke machine turkey collar over there." And I think he got a little pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> <The> karaoke machine. <laughs> and he kind of rolled his eyes and he was like, "Well, that thing's a better collar than you." I said, "I know, but I ain't shooting a bird over that thing." Uh, we did have decoys, you know. I was uh, I was uh originally going to try to just kill one without decoys. I was planning on. I was fine with being the last guy up. Yeah. And spend a couple days working for a bird. Uh, but we ended up having like tire issues and we had some vehicle issues, uh, which wasn't the fault of anybody, but we basically had to, we needed to get things done and get out of there. So dude could get his tires fixed because we had patched on this one tire all day long. I think it was made out of uh, patch patches by the end of the day, but yeah, just stuff like that. Um, I did end up killing a bird uh, without the, without the radio uh was the only one on the trip called my own turkey thank you very much nice um but yeah just something just stuff like that because they just those guys and his guides uh were like from i forget i think uh our guide was nate 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 diamond he was awesome excellent dude um they he was from denver i want to say or colorado and i think a couple of their other guys are from western states and those guys just don't think about turkeys like we think about turkeys Yeah, you know, so another thing, too, was that um, they book hunts um, back to back, not at the same ranch. So Nate had us from, I want to say, from like Tuesday to Saturday. And Saturday afternoon, he was supposed to pick up the next group of guys and go to another ranch and go hunt for X amount of days. So what that kind of did was made them in a rush the quicker they could get us all tagged out the more time they had to prepare for the next group which is understandable yeah but if you're wanting to go down there and just hang out and work for a bird you know kind of like i was really wanting to you may may ask about that you know before you go it and like i said it's it's i'm not talking bad about jay or the operation or anything it's just the way they will way they operate they're trying to get people in there they want people to kill birds and they want to get ready for the next group um so just a couple of things like that to keep in mind
1: so on a trip like that for me i'm i'm sitting here thinking okay i'm going to mexico which is not the safest country you've already told me man i felt completely safe you've told me hey they've got plenty of birds right like they know what they're mm-hmm. doing although it's not yeah. necessarily how we would want to do it on a trip like that where i think like the um the conditions are a little bit different, I'd probably be like, perfect. Like if I got ready to book uh, to Mexico, absolutely. Jay Scott, that's the guy I'm going to go mm-hmm. to just because of everything we've talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. And then in the past, it's like, I've kind of already got my mind made up. Hey, Jay's probably my guy, unless something you know, were to change in the outfitting world or I met someone. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think those things are important. Now you said Tuesday through Saturday. So was that a four day hunt
0: or five day hunt and right, with travel yeah. and all that stuff? So we crossed the border Tuesday morning and started hunting when we got there. Okay. Uh, I, I think I think Nate had asked us, you know, kind of what we wanted to do if we want to just hang out, rest or whatever. And we're like, no. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't here to rest. We're here to hunt, you know. <laughs> but uh we ended up killing, I think, like two birds that afternoon. Nice. Um, uh, they had a tremendous amount of birds. Nice. And they acted like I mean, I am, I would be very confident in saying that many of these birds had never seen a human being in their entire life because, I mean, we saw nobody at this ranch. There were, I saw two other people on the ranch. One was a, uh, an older lady, a uh, Mexican lady, her, I don't know her real name. Uh, everybody called her cookie. She didn't speak a lick of English, but by God, cookie made the best food, Mexican food I've ever had in my life. She made homemade tortillas all day every day daylight to dark we had a pile of tortillas at every meal um so we saw her and i think there was another older ranch hand that was kind of floating around there but yeah there was nobody else and yeah it was the probably the least pressured place i would ever been to in my life that's impressive yeah it it was it was incredible like the birds I mean, just imagine just imagine a turkey that's never seen somebody and never heard a turkey call. And the thing about their electronic calls were they were recordings of actual turkeys. It wasn't like uh, not a dig at Primo's, but it wasn't a a Primo's call, you know, on a box, uh, you know, blasting, blasting out there. It was actual turkeys. So, I mean, these people had never heard an actual turkey call. It was wild.
1: So have you ever done uh, a self-guided hunt? Obviously you went full guided. Have you ever done like the, the self, the semi-guided where it's just, they drop you off and say, Hey, go to it, have at it.
0: That wasn't an option for Jay at that time. I -hmm. think he actually does that now. He may have started that this year. The thing about that was you still had to provide your own transportation. Mm -hmm. So you had to, if you uh if you had to drive down there you also had to have like an atv or side by side to get around those that was an option there though you could have done that i don't think we could we couldn't have last year okay i think he started that this year Mm. um because i just i just uh, saw him post about it or um i've heard him talk about it here recently somewhere but it wasn't an option in 2022. now i would do that looking back i would do that absolutely Uh, I'd have to just borrow a side-by-side or something like that, you know, to take down there. But I, the thing about that, too, is, you know, all the paperwork that's needed to take your own vehicle down there, to take your own guns down there, there would be a lot more headache, I think, to do that. As far as, like, getting into uh, Mexico. And once you get down in there, I mean, yeah, that would be the best thing ever just camping out. I think they would still provide you like a ranch house, uh, yeah. but provide your own food. Uh, they would just, you're just basically at, at some extent you're paying a trespass fee in Mexico. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, there's a lot of different ways, I guess, turkey hunting outfitters do it, right? Like some mm-hmm. will do like the Mexico experience, maybe not electronic calls, but you may go on an Osceola hunt and a guide takes you he wants to do all the calling. He wants to do all the maneuvering, the setup. So Mm -hmm. for me, like, eh, I probably don't want to do all that, but like in a place like Mexico, like we're talking about, Hey, you know what? That's almost my, that's their, the way they have to do it. But if I was thinking about going back to Texas, I would want to go like I did on this Texas trip and just ask, Hey, when I get there, are you going to release me out into the wild? You know, are you going to feed me? Are you going to clothe me? But uh, not clothe me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say provide a place to sleep. Do I need a tent? Whatever. <laughs> if they're providing me with my camo. That's a that's a different story. There you uh, go. But I do I did like the aspect of just being dropped off because I've done both. I did a a guided hunt to where um, a guide was with me, not necessarily having to call, but he's with you the entire time just to make sure mm-hmm. you stay on property lines and things like that. And this one was just like I got there and I said, Hey, man, tell me where my boundaries are. And he said, You're not going to walk outside your boundaries. You're good. Um, we're going to drop you off and you go find the turkeys <laughs> and you do your thing. So I really, really enjoyed that experience. And so as I think about this and, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are just public land guys. Uh, some of them have private land, but it's a lease and it's got a ton of pressure. And most of them are probably thinking, oh, I don't know if I ever really want to do an outfitted hunt because it's probably not as extreme or it's maybe not as difficult. Bull crap, dude. I've only been on two, <laughs> two outfitted, uh, turkey hunts um last week i was literally the only guy that killed in camp and that was just and that's just because like the abundance of turkeys just weren't there right like it wasn't like we got there and there's 30 different gobblers going off Mm -hmm. um it was a tough tough hunt and we had some turkey hunters on that hunt and it just it didn't unfold for everybody thankfully like I got on the right gobbler at the right time that acted just like a Rio wanted to come right down the gun barrel, put on a show, thankful for it. Um, Mm -hmm. But to those that are sitting there out on the fence, like if you can find a semi-guided self-guided style of hunt to where you're basically paying that trespassing fee, like you've talked about, Mm -hmm. man, that can be a really great experience of just opening up the door to get you into a place that you now have access to, and if they feed you, that's even better. Now, I don't know about yeah. the clothing part, you know. That, that you sure never does. know.
0: <laughs> and they, some of those guys at least have free T-shirts maybe they can give you. Uh, <laughs> no, they charge you But yeah, the, and the semi-guided or self-guided is, I don't know, I don't know how much cheaper, but it's got to be significantly cheaper than a fully guided, you know, outfitted, whatever operation. What do you th- think? What it, is it? Would a, a self-guided be maybe half of a fully guided trip you think or maybe a little over half i think that's
1: about right from what i've looked at um let me i'll give you one example i you know what i don't know i think it kind of depends on your destination if you go to texas versus oklahoma i think you're going to get two uh, different types of prices because oklahoma it's easier to find public land i think it's Mm -hmm. easier to knock on doors and get permission Texas, man, that state is just locked up tight. There's not a ton of public land. If you look on Onyx and you look at, you know, the private land blocks, it's huge freaking ranches. It's huge ranch after huge ranch. And you're not getting on those ranches unless you go through an outfitter because that's part of their revenue within that ranch. Um, So from that, you know, that experience, I think that one probably was more expensive just because of the locale. Florida is going to be the same. Everybody's yeah. trying to get to Florida killing Osceola. There's only so much land to go around. So many Osceolas. That's another tough one. So I've I'm, mm-hmm. I'm knocked my two hard ones out of the way, except for Mexico, which that's like <laughs> that maybe last on my
0: list. I just don't know yet. I think Mexico, it is it is fun. I had a very very good time, but you're gonna have to really accept the fact that when you go down there on a fully guided hunt. I mean, you're just you're going to be there to kill a turkey and probably really get out of there. Um, I don't want to say that the hunting wasn't fun, but I think that the, the hunts that I've had here in the East and some of the other ones that we've had out West, they were more of that type two fun that we talk about. Yeah. It was, the memories are just, it's a different kind of memory, you know? And it's, it's a little more rewarding, you know, we've talked about that, uh, to go out on your own, find turkeys on your own, and be successful versus going out to Mexico and having a guy all but hold your hand across the border into Mexico and point you in the right direction and, you know, get you on turkeys, knows exactly where to go and everything like that. But I, will I ever go back to Mexico? I might. One day I just I mean that's not in the cards. That's not in the cards again for a while, at least anyway. I got plenty of other things I want to do up here. Um but uh yeah, it was it was fun and I'd recommend it to anybody. And like I said, you have at least two years to save up three grand. Yeah. Which
1: that's an affordable unless,
0: hunt. Unless you're in pretty bad financial shape, I think it's yeah. very doable. Very, very doable.
1: Absolutely. Let me ask you this: Would you do Hawaii Outfitter, or would you go public land?
0: It's funny you mention that because I have got my wife sold on going to Hawaii for at least a week yep. for vacation slash turkey hunting. She has accepted the fact that I would be her turkey hunting until I killed a or two turkeys, or however many turkeys I can kill out there. Uh, hey, so long two. as we, yeah, so long as we, you know, went with somebody else uh either somebody else with kids or somebody else that's willing to hang out with her and kids uh just so she's not stomping around hawaii by herself with two kids so but i don't know i mean i i'll probably go i'd probably just go diy you know, i think i'm confident enough that i can do enough homework to at least five turkeys and get in amongst a turkey somewhere out there so now maybe now i may say that and maybe at the end of day three when I couldn't hardly tell you what a turkey looked like anymore, I may have to go find somebody to let me go shoot one. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've heard it was crowded as all get out this year, too. I mean, I That's... don't know how true that was, but I, I heard it was very, very crowded on public. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I'm actually in what comes out of that. You know, if they start doing something, their regulations like Nebraska, they put a cap on their non resident tags. Yeah. Hawaii may do
1: the same. We'll see. I mean, a lot we've talked about it before, a lot of these states are having to start capping and looking at how many non-residents are coming in. I mean, this is like a new phenomenon with mm-hmm. the onslaught of non-resident turkey hunters going yeah. to these states. It's just something they're not used to. And, and turkey hunting is much different than deer hunting. It's not like you're just stationary. These guys are on the move and there can be dangerous situations. So, I mean, states are doing yeah. the right thing looking at it. But well,
0: I think that's... I'm going to do
1: public for Hawaii too, by the way. Like, yeah, that for sure. Um, yeah. And I've talked my wife into it as well. Now we haven't got into the deep details <laughs> of, but uh, it, she knows like turkey hunting and hunt not a honeymoon anniversary. So I, we're working on our yeah. twenty year coming up,
0: and that's, oh, uh, wow. that's what we're thinking about. There you go. Yeah, it. My wife knows that I absolutely hate the beach. I have no desire to be on a beach near a beach. I don't care to even look at pictures of a beach. But her and the kids might like. She likes beach. Uh, unless it's like scalding hot, but yeah, she's totally fine with just turning me loose <laughs> to go play, you know, while they play on the beach. But the pressure you were talking about—that may be another incentive to get on a outfitted hunt. Like if these, if these, uh, if these places are getting so swamped on public land, maybe you don't want to fight that. You know, maybe you want to have a more enjoyable hunt. And uh, we were talking on the Patreon group just today um we're kind of talking about different regulations and wma or public land regulations and private land regulations and it got to talking about you know hunt quality or yeah I think it's I think it's what we ended up talking about like where does hunt quality come into play as far as regulations go and keeping the pressure down on public land so if if you're thinking about going to a state and their public land gets hammered especially the first handful of weeks of the season and maybe that's is the best time to go hunt. Maybe that's the best time of season where goblin is peak or just whatever else. And if you don't want to fight that, maybe it's worth it going with an outfitter. Yeah,
1: Hawaii might be tough. The ones I've looked at, I think they are booked out at least one year. That may yeah. be kind of like a Jake Scott scenario where you need to put a deposit mm-hmm. down and you get a little mm-hmm. bit of a wait time. So something to think about.
0: Well, you know, and again, you know, if it's booked out at least a year, that gives you more time to save money. Just squirrel away a little bit more money, as far as I'm concerned yeah um i'm trying to think too you know uh, if i was thinking just a little bit ago about uh, miriam's guided hunt my experience with miriam's is that they're so they're in like pockets from what mm. i found out there and from what i've heard other guys say my only fear for that would be they're either on your ranch or they're not you know they could yeah. it could be a situation where they just spend a few days off that ranch they could be the few days that you're there um, and I don't really know how you would determine that before you go. So that may be something tricky. Uh, and Rios too, maybe. And maybe maybe what happened with uh with your trip. Maybe this moved off for a handful of days. And you you just never know.
1: I we had, I think, our second day. I'm not sure. I think only one group out of the three uh, groups that were there heard gobbling that second morning, and then that third morning. I'm pretty sure we all heard multiple turkeys. Like I, I heard like three turkeys that day. So, um, mm-hmm. like you said, man, they could be there one minute
0: and go on the next. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess you'd probably just have to do your homework, um, and ask them. And I would hope that if they're a, an, an outfitter with integrity, that they would tell you, hey, sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not, you know, here's the gist of it. Um, uh, uh, I didn't go on. This isn't a turkey hunt, but I, when I got drawn for Sand Hill Cranes mm-hmm. uh, a couple times here in Tennessee over the last handful of years, the first time I got drawn, I went with Double H Outfitters out in East Tennessee, and uh, we ended up having to reschedule that. I don't know how many times we rescheduled it that winter because there weren't any birds, but the outfitter called me and nice. said, hey, we don't have any birds yet. I don't want you to even... I would highly recommend that we reschedule. Here's the dates I have open. You know, I didn't have to pay a deposit. I didn't, it was a day trip. So I think it was like 200 bucks a gun, um, to go down there. And, uh, I, so and when we finally got to go, we limited out. There was a, a three man limit. So six birds. And we killed that in 45 minutes after daylight. So that was fun. And the second time I got drawn, it was the same thing, uh, to where, we kept having a reschedule reschedule and it got late enough in the season the the it was i think the lady was named uh nikki at uh double h she was like look i'm not confident enough i i would hate for you to show up here and not fire a shot and that's really what it's looking like it's going to happen so she said hey try to get a draw again next year and we hope to see you back so <laughs> i, I I don't know. I don't have that much experience with outfitters to know how many of those out there are honest, that honest, yeah, as in honest enough to tell you not to even come. Or if they're like, hey, I don't know if they'll blow smoke up your hind end or what. I, I honestly don't know.
1: Well, next week, I think we got a, a pretty interesting episode scheduled and I'll keep it uh, the on the DL on who we're bringing on. But we want to bring on someone uh, to talk about the actual questions to ask an outfitter. So today is kind of like that primer. Hey, we're talking about our experiences, what's happened, but really bringing on someone from the firearms industry that schedules multiple hunts every year. Uh, has been on good hunts and has been on bad hunts and knows those mm-hmm. very specific questions to ask an outfitter. So I think that'll be a really good one to just help, you know, listeners, us uh figure out the right questions to ask and to make it as successful as, as much, as, as much control as you can over the trip.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing too, you know, if uh like, say if you got a kid or something and you want to go out of state, like, man, how, how much more fun I think would that be? If you and your kid went on someplace with a lodge and or some kind of accommodations with a higher success rate versus okay. going out to public land, having to get up at 2 30 in the morning and be at the gate and encounter a Florida man like Parker. Uh yeah. And that whole experience for a young or a new hunter, like man, I would you know, sign me up for a higher success rate in a comfy bed versus a sleeping in the truck at a sketchy boat ramp.
1: Yeah, man, I think I was waking up at like five thirty this past
0: week.
1: <laughs> I was in the woods by six fifteen. Had a little daylight. Man. It Still, wasn't daylight yet. And then yeah. just ten minutes later, they're, they're gobbling. I'm like, all right, this ain't bad. That this ain't, ain't bad. bad at all.
0: And uh, one of the first, I think it was the yeah, one of the first. Uh, it was no, it was the first Western hunt I ever went on was for antelope uh, out in Wyoming. I forget what year it was, but anyway our guide there and I'm I'm still in contact with that guy he's uh since changed jobs or whatever but we've stayed pretty good friends and and I've hunted with him out there a couple more times since then just you know on public land or whatever out there but anyway he was like yeah these antelope are good hangover hunts because they hang out all day you can get up at nine o'clock in the morning and hunt them if you really want to but it was the same thing you know we I mean we got up at daylight but it wasn't that early you know you're not having to fight for a spot it's you can sit there drinking coffee and BS with dudes or whoever. They're in camp and then go out hunting. It's just more. It's so much more relaxing. Like if you want to go on a relaxing hunting trip, you probably can go with the outfitter. Because when the Jacob and I go hunting, we don't relax. <laughs> I mean, we're you're hunting daylight till dark and uh, you're eating roller food at the gas station, uh, probably camping. Uh, so it's uh, it's that type two fun. You know, like we were talking about,
1: it is a little bit more uh memorable. That is for dog owners, oh, yeah. sure the type two fun is.
0: Oh, yeah, most of my memories are from stuff like that and not so much the guided hunts, but still, the guided hunts were a very good experience, especially that one western that uh, antelope hunt I went on. Got to dip my toes in that way. Um, and then I've been out west a few times since then. Uh, it's a good gateway. You know, just like I said before, if you don't have the experience, um, you don't really have the time to you know devote to a full week or something like that to really cut your teeth and accept the fact that you could probably walk away with nothing after that week. Then you probably need to go with an outfitter and you'll learn stuff. I mean, I learned a lot just on the handful of days I went antelope hunting. I learned quite a bit on the, the Gould's trip, you know, turkey hunting. So you'll still learn something on an outfitter absolutely
1: and uh don't be afraid to ask those questions when you get there like that that night that we got there you know the, the very first night the morning before or the night before we go in that first morning they're pointing hey this is where you're going this is where you know we've seen turkeys roosting but getting in there deep and saying hey let's let's hang on a second let's talk about the habitat we're in a place like Texas there are only so many roost trees Tell me exactly where those roost trees are here, here, and here. Okay. Yeah. Well, just because they may roost here doesn't mean they might not be here and here. And if I hear them go- I gobble in that direction, I know exactly where I need to beeline towards. So just mm-hmm. thinking about those types of questions, um, the, the night before, basically, when you get there and looking over maps is, is having those types of questions, too, and uh, something to think about.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's There's so many questions that you won't think of. Oh, yeah. until you get there well it was just like with the uh with the electronic calls and you know I, and I but i did ask jay before you know hey can i call my own birds he's yeah you can call your own birds but before he said that he said he asked how good i could call <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah what are you talking about here i gotta you know, gotta win a contest or whatever to, to call my own birds down there or what but uh i think uh, he was kind of joking because those woodhaven guys go down there all those guys can call turkeys, you know, Yeah, you you got Billy Argus and those guys. Um, But yeah, just, uh, just, I mean, anything you can think of, there are no, there really are no dumb questions because you don't know. I mean, if, especially if you've never been to that area, I mean, what do you really know? And how would you know, unless you ask? So
1: I'd also say, don't be offended if the outfitter asks you some, what you think might be dumb questions. Like how, how often do you like handle a firearm? Right. Cause they're yeah. trying to figure out safety concerns with their guides. When you're riding in and out is, you know, mm-hmm. you have your gun unloaded. Is it on safe things of yeah. that nature? Uh, they need to ask and just, I'd say
0: be respectful and don't pop back off. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't know you from Adam yeah. most of the time, no offense or no pun intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, cause they have got, they have all walks of life that come through there. They have kids, and- they have ladies, they have dudes, they have experienced people. They have, People that have never hunted before, yep. like uh, like your guy, and they just have to know how to plan or how to what to expect, because you know the easier you can make their job, you know, the the more fun that everybody's going to have. I think.
1: So one thing, uh, we are going to have a follow up podcast to this one. We're we'll bringing in a guest next week. He's going to really go through some of those specific questions to ask an outfitter before guiding the hunt. If you have, as a listener, a question that you would like to see us ask, hit us up on Instagram, Southern Ground Hunting. I think that's the Instagram handle, right? Just private yep. messages on, at Southern Ground Hunting, and mm-hmm. we'll absolutely look at that question, vet it, and if it's, a, if it's a good one, we'll put it on the show.
0: Yeah, I may actually message the page myself because there's always something that I forget oh, yeah. uh, until after the fact. Uh but I'm, I'm one of those guys. You almost have to drag information out of me because my memory is so poor. I can't just, I can't just draw it out of the file. You have to kind of hold my hand and kind of drag it out of me. But, uh, yeah, it's going outfitted hunt. It's a lot of fun. If, uh, if you got the, if you got the money and you got the lack of time, lack of experience, and you want a more relaxing hunt An outfitter is certainly the way to go. in in many cases, Absolutely.
1: Well, I know over the next few weeks, we also have a few tactical type discussions. We've got some early season uh, and mid season discussions coming up. So again, if uh, you're out there listening and you want to hear some very specific type of topics or even specific guests that you would like to see us bring on, uh, shoot us over uh, suggestions. I'd love it to hear some originality as far as guests are concerned. I talk about it. I know in our groups, we talk about all the time. It's like, oh, another X person is on the same, another podcast talking about the same topic. Mm -hmm. It's like, Man, just, uh, we'd love to see some new fresh blood. So if there's any suggestions out there for potential good guests, uh, we'd love to hear them and and bring them to
0: us. Absolutely. We could all learn something from anybody. That's a good thing about turkey hunting. I'll probably learn something this weekend when, when you and, uh, your boys come come out and, kill some turkeys i hope we got some good turkey stories to tell next week oh gosh that'll be great i look forward to it yeah. anything we missed tonight i'm sure there is that i'll think about as soon as we hang up but uh i honestly can't think of anything off the top of my head i think we covered it pretty good from where to where to consider to go or where do you think you probably need to go for an outfitter probably a ballpark price what to expect on a couple places yeah. uh what to expect in you know, hunting terrain or, or hunting experience. So we covered a lot.
1: Absolutely. I wouldn't be ashamed to go. I guarantee you I'll do more guided hunts in the
0: future. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's going to be, there's going to be one coming up sometime or another and I'll, uh, jump right on board to go.
1: All right. Well, we'll catch up again next week.
0: Yep. Thank you guys for tuning in. Good luck this weekend. If you turkey hunting, uh, if you do tag us, Tag us in something so we can see it. I for sure love seeing pictures of dead turkeys and smiling faces. So yeah, you know, <laughs> that's another sure. thing too. Yeah. real quick, you know, yeah. a, like a five second rant. I can't stand when people like don't smile in their hunting pictures. Yeah. Like, like what that bird do to you? Like, are you just mad that you killed that thing? Smile. You worked hard for that thing, supposedly. Uh, but yeah, I smile <laughs> in all my pictures and I it just, I don't know, it's pet peeve somebody don't smile. I got a turkey there.
1: I noticed that it was a guy in high school, man. He always looked like he just beat something up or got yeah. beat up. And I was like, at that moment in my life, I was like, man, this is a really like a thrilling, fun moment. them <laughs> just, you know, just be yourself. You ain't got to be somebody. You're not in a stinking picture. Yeah.
0: It's annoying. Yeah. Don't be mean mugging the camera. It's like a mug shot. Like, Oh, I have to be here. I had <sighs> to kill this turkey. I'd much rather be at home with my wife or mowing the yard. Golly, people smile. Turkeys hate me. Yeah, turkeys <laughs> hate me, and I hate them too. But, all right, y'all. Good luck. Appreciate you hanging out. We'll catch you next week, and uh, good luck this weekend.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods as the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.